Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. Well, it is 2021 and that means Otto and I are back with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Hey, coming up on today's show, we'll talk with the one and only Nick Friedel of ESPN.com. Nick is an Orlando native, but now covers the Warriors and Steph Curry. We'll talk about Steph's big performance over the last few days. We'll also talk war and their expectations as we get this new NBA campaign underway. But before we get to all that, I have to welcome in the one and only, his name is Otto Strong. Otto, it's a new year, and I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a long time, my friend. How you doing? I haven't spoken to you in a year. Here's the question, Otto. How long of a runway does that joke have? Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it's probably, I think we're right up on the expiration date. If it were milk, you'd probably toss it. You know, so. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Well, hey, we're talking to Nick Friedel later on in this show. We're going to spend a lot of time st- talking about Steph. But this Warriors team over the last, I don't know, four or five days really feels like it's gotten a little bit of momentum going. You know, it was slow out of the gate. People were making jokes about Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, and their slow starts. Well, Steph did what any NBA superstar does, and he says, hey, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to beat you myself. 92 points over his last two basketball games, 14 boards, 12 assists, and 67 minutes, Otto. What do you think? Pretty good? Uh, definitely, definitely pretty good. I guess, you know, Steph is back. Uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we were, we were hoping for this Steph. Now, obviously, we still don't have you know, his counterpart, obviously, play, you know, going to be out for an extended period of time, but it. It's it's just amazing what he's uh, you know what he's what he's been able to do the last last couple last couple of days. Yeah, and you know one of the things that's interesting, and we're going to ask Nick about this in our interview coming up, is Steph Curry is a special basketball player in the sense that you know when he has the ball, once he passes, he can hurt you in so many different ways, right? With the way that he moves without the ball and the spacing that he commands and the way he opens the floor up for everyone else. How difficult is it for new players like Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins to play with him if you've never played with him before? Because you're trying to not only find your shots and get yours in an offense, but you're also catering to a top five player in the league. Yeah, so these guys have not had you know, the, the privilege of perhaps playing with somebody who's as gifted you know, with or without the ball as Steph. And so, you know, 
it, it, it definitely, it's, I imagine it's something uh, that you'd have to, you know, get used to, that it's not something that you, you know, he's not the kind of uh, player that, that most NBA guys are, are accustomed to, to running with. Yeah. And, you know, what he's done over his last two, it almost feels like a guy who, because he missed so much of last season, I think he played three games inside the Chase Center before he got hurt and they rested him the rest of the year. It feels like a guy who says, I want the rest of the league right now to remember just how good of a basketball player I am and how I can take over a game and how I can hurt you in so many different ways. And it's, you know, this is vintage stuff. This, these last, I mean, these numbers, what he's done over his last two games are what we saw during the 15 season, during the 16 season, when it really felt like the Warriors were just lighting the NBA on fire. And so here's my question to you is, for years, people spoke about how put a team on his back. And, you know, he didn't really have great running mates some of those early years in Cleveland. He had a tremendous running mate pretty much since he got to Miami and beyond. But if he carries this team, and I asked Nick about this a little bit, if he carries this team to a quarterfinals, to a Western Conference semifinals, is that almost as impressive as that run that they had in those five years when he had everyone around him just doing that on his own with the cast of characters that he has right now. Oh, I mean, look, there's no question. I mean, you know, looking at the West standings, I mean, obviously they're going to change from night to night, but you know, you, you've got, you've got the nuggets. At, 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 in, and at it's 11. a really good nuggets team. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I mean, um, shoot, this, this, this is a, it's going to be a tough Western conference. I mean, I'm not sure you know, what the, what the win total will be, what it'll take to, to, um, you know, to, to make it to the playoffs. But I mean, we've all said this, it's going to be a battle, you know, every night. And so to get to a playoffs, I mean, I don't think that, you know, the just making the playoffs really is something that you could throw out. You might've been able to throw that out in the Eastern conference a few years ago, but, but not, you know, not in this Western conference. I mean, I think, I think, unfortunately there are going to be teams that, you know, land, you know, ninth or 10th and, and should you know, still be able to hold, the, hold their head high. I mean, the, the question I have for you is like, I, so years ago when I was at ESPN, we, we kind of, because you could do this at the magazine, you could like dabble in fantasy theories. Like, hey, what if, what if we just had top 16, regardless of, of, of conference? Wouldn't, wouldn't that not make for a better playoffs? You know, if you yeah. could have, you know, say a, a good King squad or a good Pelican squad and I have the, all of these teams make it. And so, yeah, or you may lose a Charlotte or you may lose a, you know, an Eastern conference team that, you know, probably doesn't really need to be there back in the day, you know, a, a, a Brooklyn squad that might've, you know, had only like 38 wins. Well, th- so, so this is perfect. Cause how often do we talk about, especially in the Eastern conference where you're just like, you know, there's like, the teams that are filling out seven through 10 and they're all interchangeable because they're a lot of times they're, they're sub 500 clubs. And then you look at the Western conference and they're deep one through 10. And so like, if you went just one through 16 and if the warriors were like a 13 or a 14 seed and you had to go up against Steph, I wouldn't want to mess with that. No, no, no. Yeah. Like any, any team in the top, in the top, at least right now, any team in the top three, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Milwaukee would, would be somebody who could figure out, they'll figure a way around that. But, but, you know, Suns, Jazz, Clippers, yeah, you figure, figure the Lakers will figure it out. And, uh, you know, 
be 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 much better when they, when than where they are right now. But yeah, I, w- I definitely would not want to be uh, in the, in that scenario, that one to sixteen scenario, having to having to be a you know a, a four seed facing facing a thirteen seed um, uh, Warriors team. So, w- would you rather have the NBA go one through sixteen as opposed to a play in playoff series? Uh, I, can you do both? <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick one or the other. Yeah, right. No, exactly. Uh, look, I, I think like if there were if there was a year to try the one to sixteen, it probably would have been last year. Um, you know, you know, two two things, two reasons why that you might not have is because what got you to that point was a, a schedule based on conference play, and so you could argue that that wouldn't have been fair to to take it down the rest of the way. But um, but you know, going the other way, you had everybody. The, the reason why you don't do the one to sixteen is that you don't want to have Phoenix having to fly to uh, to Boston and, and have all of this you know extra travel you know in in the first round or first or second round for that matter. Um, once you get to the, the, the conference finals, you're having these off days anyway, and it's, it's probably fine. But, um, you know, the time to try it would have been in the bubble because yeah. you know, there's no travel anyway. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to kind of game that out and see what, how it would have, how that's, how a one to 16 would have worked last year. Yeah. I still think it would work. I'd still do it. I don't care about travel. These guys are all flying charter anyway. So their homes in their bed, usually by three, 4 AM anyway, you have an off day the next day anyway. So you know what? Deal with it. Give us the best entertainment. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, I am all about entertainment and one of the most entertaining basketball teams is the golden state warriors. Let's talk about them and Steph Curry. Well, it's an exciting day for me as we get to welcome on the one and only Nick Riddell. He's also probably the only other person that we've had on this show that knows exactly what hot dog heaven is here in Orlando. Nick, how's it going, man? Aaron, I was living there during the quarantine. Everybody's like, how did you add a couple extra pounds? Because I was going back and forth to hot dog heaven so much. So, shout out to Mike and Beth because they've been with me for 30 years. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those... One of those golden spots in Orlando that everybody needs to see. Exactly. It's kind of just out on the highway on East Colonial. It's hard to miss. It's a beautiful place. But there are a few places in the world that make hot dogs, like Hot Dog Heaven and the city of Chicago. You now find yourself in the Bay Area covering this Warriors team. Through seven games, Nick, what are your first impressions so far? It's kind of one of those (laughs) shrug emojis. You're you're not sure exactly what to believe. And for me, when I watch the Warriors, we're used to seeing them move up and down the floor and, and play uh, a really nice style of offensive basketball. And I think they're still adjusting to who they are now. So many people get focused on, oh, well, Steph and Draymond are still there. This team should be rolling. What's the matter with them? And they, they were getting blown out. And obviously, Draymond wasn't back for those first few games. But the reality, Aaron, is, this team is not those Warriors. This is a completely different group. Uh, and they're, they're learning how to play off Steph Curry, like Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre. Steve Kerr's talked about it a lot. It takes time to learn how to play with Steph. And I asked him the other day, well, what exactly does that mean? And he says, Steph moves differently than anybody else in the game. You're getting two or three different looks uh, offensively and, and what he's got to do uh, playing off everybody else than you would just a, a normal guard because of all the space the teams try to take away from him. So they're adjusting on the fly. I think it's also a case of 
They're trying to figure out what life is going to be like without Kevin Durant and without Andre Iguodala and without Sean Livingston because it was kind of just a, a wash after Steph got hurt at the beginning of, of last year. And, and the Warriors were kind of like, all right, well, we're, <laughs> we're going to get that top pick. We're close to it, and, and we're going to go that direction. But now this team has to kind of go together behind Steph and Draymond. And early on, I'm still not sold that they are going to be close to the top of the West. I think there are a lot of flaws. But I think what we've seen over the last few games shows you that they can come together, especially on the offensive end, off Steph and be much better than we saw in that first week. Let's narrow this down before we talk about Steph and his last two games because he's been otherworldly. But a lot of the focus, and you mentioned it, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, two Kansas guys, two guys at this point in the league, I think people are still trying to figure out exactly what they are. Both guys have incredibly high upside. Andrew Wiggins, we all know the story. He was supposed to be like the next coming of LeBron. It hasn't been that way at all. The last few games, it seems like he's kind of settled in. I think he's had a plus 17 or 19 in each of the last two boxes. It seems like offensively he's gotten more into a rhythm. You had a really uh, where it almost seems like people are relating Andrew Wiggins to Mitch Trubisky and just how they're both these high-heralded guys that have yet to put it together. What are your thoughts and where are you on Andrew Wiggins right now and his ability with this Warriors team? He is who he is. And that comes as somebody who watched him for years in Minnesota, and especially that the Jimmy Butler, Tibbs era, that year stretch. They were trying to get more out of Andrew Wiggins. They were trying to get that potential that everybody thought was coming. And the, the reality with Wiggins is there are going to be games where you watch when you're like, damn, <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. And he's going to the rim, and he's scoring from all over the place, and he, and he looks – engage defensively and there are other games where you're going to watch where you're going to be like oh, what is he doing out there and guess what that is exactly the kind of player that we saw in Minnesota so uh, I think there, there was a, 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 a large amount of hubris from the Warriors organization that thought Wiggins would come into the Warriors system and he would be a different player and again this ties into Steph because everything with this team does do I think that Wiggins is going to be a little bit better offensively playing off Steph Curry? Of course he is, because he's going to get more wide-open looks than he ever has in his entire life. But to think that Andrew Wiggins, at this stage of his career, is going to be that much different than the Andrew Wiggins that we've seen so many times before, I just don't believe that's the case. And I think they've got to just try to remember that not only is Wiggins going to give them the depth that they needed the Wiggins position. But Aaron, the key with that whole Wiggins deal wasn't really Wiggins himself. It was that Minnesota pick. Uh, and that is crucial because you talk to anybody in the league, that draft coming up next season is loaded. And the Timberwolves, I just don't think are going to be very good. It's top three protected this year. It's uh, not protected next year. So as much as Wiggins may or may not help, the Warriors have their – their eyes on a much larger prize, and that is potentially a really high pick in one of these next couple drafts. Yeah, and it was also more about the ability to unload his salary, too, with that contract that they signed him to. But, you know, you've mentioned it a handful of times. The big piece of this puzzle is Steph Curry. Last two games, you had it very well. 92 points, 14 boards, 12 assists in 67 minutes. It's been ridiculous. He had 62, I think, what was it, 
Monday or Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday against the Blazers. Yeah, why has it taken him nearly two weeks to get into the rhythm of the season? What is it that's kind of sparked him these last few games? Well, I think what, what took so long is people for, uh, kind of just forgotten because they expect Steph to – the ball to roll out to the floor and him to be so dominant. He really hasn't played. I mean, you go back to that, that Phoenix game in the beginning of last season where Baines fell on his hand and, and he was out for – four months and he wasn't able to really do much so he had the one game before everything shut down again and then he had to sit and watch the bubble like everybody else and not have the experience of playing in games on top of the fact clay thompson injured again kd gone uh, igudala livingston he's getting used to all these other new pieces just like all these new guys are getting used to him so it took some time, and he really didn't play well those first few games. But Aaron, the reason why, at least I think, having been around Steph from a distance for years, but especially in the last few seasons, is because as much as Steph always says, and I believe him, he doesn't let the outside chatter or noise get to him the way some other players do. He's very perceptive. He knows what's said. He knows – Everything that, that, that's going on around him, he knows who's saying good things, he knows who's saying bad things. And after that warrior stretch where they were really bad to start this season, Steph took it personally, and he was getting crushed uh, by people on social media, by people who couldn't wait to jump uh, on the Warriors for all they've done through the years and say that Steph wasn't as good. Just, it was just because he was playing with all these other talented players. He did. He took it personally, and, and he came out against Portland and just dominated. I mean, to, to be in Chase Center the other night and to see him racing up and down the floor and knocking down the shots, for somebody who loves the game and, and who loved all those different environments at Oracle, to have Steph Curry have his first uh, really gigantic performance in Chase Center and have really nobody in there to see it, it was sad because he feeds off the emotion, and he was – he was looking around like, let's go. And there were like 40, 50 people in there. So uh, it was a strange experience. But the reason why on top of them finding a comfort zone with each other is because Steph knew what was being said and wanted to shut everybody up. And, oh, boy, did he ever. Nick, and maybe this is a question that doesn't necessarily have an answer, but, but why are people so critical of Steph? I, I mean, this has gone back to his days – in college when people thought he was too small to really take over an, uh, a team and all he did was lead a squad to an elite eight. And then he's done it in the NBA. I, I guess I just don't understand why people were so quick to judge Steph when he's been out almost a year. Most players would get a grace period. In, in my judgment, in my opinion, there's just always been a lot of jealousy surrounding the arc of Steph's career. He was the, the golden boy at Davidson and LeBron's coming to his games and, and he's knocking down shots from all over, and, and he's doing exactly what he did years later in the NBA. Uh, but Aaron, it, it's a really good question that nobody seems to have a, a solid answer for. I asked Steph that exact question the other night after that Portland game, and he said, ah, you know, it's part of the league. Everybody gets criticized. Everybody has to play through it uh, over time. But – not everybody gets criticized to the level at which he does on a regular basis. And I'm just, I think part of it is he has changed the game to a point where 
he can knock down shots from all over the place and, and he shimmies down the floor. I think that pisses people off. There are a litany of reasons why. Uh, but the, the reality is that he just continues to produce. And do I think as we sit here now that the, the Warriors this season are going to be anywhere close to a title? Of course not. But Steph, if he can stay healthy, can continue racking up points and producing and showing everybody, hey, I don't need three or four superstars around me to, to still dominate a game. And I think that's the challenge he's taking on because he hears all the, the hatred that's coming his way. And he's used that certainly over time and in the first few weeks here as motivation uh, for, for his own personal growth in the game. Do you think part of it is that maybe there's no clear comparison to Steph? You know, we compare LeBron to MJ all the time and the titles that he's chasing and where they've been throughout the arc of their career. Steph Curry has never had a villainous moment. And I think that's what all stories need, right? They're waiting for that villain turn. And there's never been anything throughout the course of Steph's entire career when you can really doubt him for anything that he did. Is that maybe part of it? People just want a reason to be frustrated with a really good person and a great basketball player? They want to believe that there's something there that hasn't come to the forefront yet. They want a reason to tear him down. I thought one of the most interesting things the other night was what Draymond said, which is he said, not all critics are bad. If people stop talking about you. And, and they're, st they're starting to, to not pay attention as much. That's when you know you've kind of fallen off. And that's yeah. when you know you've got a problem. And for Steph, he, he's never had that issue. But as we're talking through this now, I think one of the things that really upset, you know, the, the people on Twitter and in social media was the Warriors win that first year. And, and Steph was unbelievable playing off Clay and Draymond. And that was still – the Harrison Barnes years. I think so many people got upset and, and took it more so out on Kevin Durant, but they got upset that that team had all these stars, the supervillains, you know, they, they, they're winning and they don't even, they didn't even need that extra star to, to get over the hump. Uh, and, and I'd argue, yeah, they did because Kevin <laughs> sent them, you know, going to the moon because he's an unbelievable player. But, I think people took so much of the, the frustration they had for the league out on Kevin Durant, and that kind of came through over time, and, and that went to Steph a little bit too. And now that they're uh, that at least KD is gone, and some of those veteran guys are gone, and they're seeing the Warriors' struggles, all that jealousy and all that hatred, it's coming out in different directions. And people are saying, oh, you can't do it now. Uh, but – we're going to see because I, I'm curious to see, and this is a, it goes into a much broader issue, but I'm curious to see what happens when Steph comes back, Clay Thompson's back next year. We'll see what kind of player he is. But now we haven't even mentioned James Wiseman, and he's been really good. And then you get potentially this Timberwolves pick and wherever the, 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 the Warriors pick is. And that is a really interesting team when you mix it in with Draymond. So there are all these factors in play, but I think that's part of why uh, the Warriors, at least, certainly don't feel like the run is over the way so many other people uh, who follow the game may believe it is. Steph has always been the leader of this team, but do you get the sense that he's being looked at more as a leader now than he ever has been before in his NBA career? I mean, 
that five-year run where they went to five straight NBA finals, won three of them, he always had a running mate with him. He always had Clay Andre to play off of. This is really his team. You know, these are new guys that he's incorporating that have to learn to play with him. If he leads this team to quarterfinals, even a semifinals in, in the West, I mean, the semifinals for this team would be tremendous. But what would that do for his legacy? I mean, that's not as impressive as winning an NBA title, but for this roster and this team, that's pretty good, right? I think his legacy is secure if he walked off the floor today. With the, the two MVPs and one of them being unanimous and the three titles, I don't think there's anything else he has to prove because the people who are going to hate him are going to hate him no matter what he does. Uh, but to what you're saying about what he's doing now or what could be done, there's no question that, that it's, it's his team and it's a different type of leadership that he has to give now because so, so often – Go back in time, there were still the David Wests and the Andrew Bogut's and the, the Zazas and the Livingstons and Iguodala. There were all these different veterans, and he didn't have to take on such a day-to-day leadership role. But what's fascinating to me, Aaron, is you, you talk to all these guys who come through the Warriors locker room the last couple of years, there's still almost an awe of playing with Steph Curry. Like the, the younger guys, James Wiseman was talking about the other night, they, they can't believe that they are on this team with the guy that they watched and they played 2K with for years and years. And, and he's hidden from all over the place. Draymond, he's always been the emotional leader of the group. But he, Draymond's leadership is almost more tangible because Draymond's the guy who, who gets in somebody's face or puts his arm around somebody, gets in their ear, and, and has that, uh, the, the more defined leader that we would see on a, on a team. Steph, I think he's learning – certainly much better than he had to at any other point, that he's got to be the one to initiate these conversations because so often these players just sit there on the floor and they're kind of in awe of everything he does. So that's a shift between those two guys, uh, and and that's something certainly to focus on that I'm intrigued by covering the team uh, that is going to continue to change throughout the next year or two. Has that been difficult for him personality-wise? I, I think it has because he's never needed to be this outward with, hey, everything's good and, uh, you know, keep your head up. We're going to be fine. You have to be here. You have to be there. There are always other people that he could rely on for that. And, Aaron, that's not to say he wasn't a leader before because I think he was. It's just a different kind of style that he's adjusting to. And certainly for Draymond, that's something that he loves. He loves being the, the big brother protector of, of this team. But for Steph, when you're without Clay and, and KD's gone, he had to kind of adjust, I think, in his own mind what kind of leader he wanted to be. And in order to be that kind of guy, he's got to change the way uh, that, that he operates sometimes on the floor uh, alongside some of his teammates. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, before he was kind of the leader by example. Now he's the leader by vocal and example. So it's adding another characteristic to his personality. I, I love that you mentioned the 2K aspect, by the way, because the first team I always play 2K with is anyone that has Steph. Regardless, it's more fun to shoot threes than it is to dunk in the game. And so I get where James Wiseman's coming from. But let's talk about Wiseman. Get the consensus that they feel they got it right at 1-1. 
No question. And I tell you right now, if there was a redraft, I, I, I don't see any way that Wiseman's not the guy at the top. I think the Warriors felt all along that he was the best player on their board. But Aaron, if, <laughs> if the Timberwolves didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, I, I think everybody's kind of looking at Wiseman and what we've seen so far at 19 and what they know that he's going to continue to grow into, hopefully. And they're going, oh, Minnesota. What, what, what was that? I feel like that always happens to Minnesota, doesn't it? Like, they always they, have to second-guess their draft picks. They bring it on themselves. There's a reason why they've had the struggles that they've had. But as far as Wiseman goes, the shooting has been a little bit better to start than anybody could have expected. But it, it, it was so interesting to me at the beginning of camp, you're listening to Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, and they're saying, we love James. Uh, we, we think he's going to be really good, but they were trying so hard to calm the expectations because they knew he was 19. They knew he had only played three games at Memphis, and they knew that he was going to be a work in progress. Well, you fast forward a little bit, and here comes Stephen Draymond. Stephen Draymond gets to the mic, and they're like, dude, this kid is unbelievable. <laughs> like, this kid is great. Uh, and and he's showing us just how talented he's going to be. And I think for Draymond especially, we were talking about leadership styles. He loves the fact that Wiseman takes his advice and is willing to listen to him and, and willing to work on what he tells him to. So uh, the Warriors are ecstatic with what they've seen from Wiseman. They think that two or three months from now, he's going to be even better than what we've seen. And they are really convinced that he's going to put in the work he needs to be great. So. From the jump, it was a fit for player and team, and that has only grown as the season has progressed. And you just get the sense of where he would have been at the start of the season had he had a normal offseason, you know, had he had summer league, had he had those offseason practices, a full training camp. But, hey, it's been fun to watch. First few weeks of the season have been a blast. This Warriors team through seven games, four and three. Nick, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, man. We appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Enjoyed it. That was dope. Here's another player I would like to give a little bit of uh, airtime to, and that is one Luka Doncic, who uh, just this week has become, all time, the fourth fastest player to reach 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists. Now, fourth fastest, we're doing this by games played. So by being fourth fastest, it means there are three guys ahead of him. Do you care to guess who those three players might be? You're going to make me guess without looking it up, man. Oh, is LeBron one of them? He's, he's number five. He's number five, so he's below him. Um, is Steph Curry one of them? You know, because everything's cyclical, right? Is that a yes or a no? It is, it is not Steph Curry. Oh, um, You're going to be annoyed at two of them. And Allen one, Iverson? What's that? Allen Iverson? Nope. All right, you're going to have to tell me because I could guess here all day and I'd be wrong every time. All right, so we got Luka Doncic, who's done it in 139 games. We have a guy by the name of Magic Irvin Johnson. Uh, yeah, that's one I should know. He did it in 126 games. I'm going to skip over number two. Number one is Oscar Robertson, 98 games. But number two, probably surprising, Ben Simmons. Really? 23 games. Wow. I, I, I never – would have guessed Ben Simmons. So you, you were half right. I could have given you half credit because you were in Philly, but you didn't. <laughs> you can't 
can't give half. <laughs> it's either full credit or no credit, man. Well, then no credit. Most <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to say that he's been better this year than he was in the bubble. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's been more polarizing almost with what we've seen early on in the year. And it's phenomenal how it seems like every year he's taking that next step. You know, we were really impressed with him out of the gate in his rookie campaign, more than impressed with him last year. And it just seems like his star continues to ascend and he just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, People talk about this in the NFL all the time, and I've heard this conversation on the radio so much, is how did NFL scouts miss Justin Herbert, right? Like, how is Justin Herbert not the number one pick in last year's NFL draft? And you go back and you say, how did Luca fall to three? And then how did Atlanta slide back and want Trey Young instead of going off what they evaluated on Luka Doncic. Now, it's been great for the Mavs. Tremendous for the Mavs. They made out like a bandit in that deal. But he's easily a top 15 player in the league right now. And I would not be shocked to say he's a top 10 player by the end of the campaign. Well, is, is that out of the realm of possibility? Not, not out of the realm of possibility. Is he going to be your MVP for this season? No. I, I'm, I'm willing to say he's not because... To be an MVP, you still need to make probably at the bare minimum a conference final, right? Like, and to do that in the West with how deep the West is, and so I got to go through the Lakers and the Clippers and but keep in mind, uh, Denver and Utah. And, but keep in mind, they hand that out before you, know, before you even get there. They, hand- they, they, they do, but... Uh, if his team's sitting around the four, five, or six seed, you think he's going to get voted for that? Yeah, prob- probably not. I mean, he probably needs to be. If he's in top three, I think, they, then I think you're in the, in the running. You can, you can have that conversation. Um, I think within five games, then you can, you can make now, it. Now, I, I'm not terrified to say that he's going to win an MVP in the next three years. Yep. But I would bet more money on it being – year three than it being this year yeah is that safe to say safe to say we will we will we will we will well well, so here's i'm gonna throw this back at you do you think he's gonna be mvp this year well we did a show not so not so uh not so recently in which i in which i in actually recently i said that he would be so i have to (laughs) you kind of have to do it don't you stick with that but but i actually you know Look, if KP comes back and, and he and Persingas are doing their thing and they could they could kind of climb up climb up the charts as it were, then yeah, I, I don't see there's I don't see there's any reason why he can't be, you know. So because yeah, he he's gonna have the numbers and it's gonna be more than just points. It's gonna be rebounds and assists too because he does it. He does everything, you know. And what do we say about the MVP? You got to make your teammates better. That dude makes his teammates better. Yeah, there's only one thing he can't do, and that is close this show. Take it home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to this edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. Want to thank our producer, our man in the chair, Scott Turk, and our big boss, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. 
And a special thanks to Nick Fidel for dropping by today's show. It was fun to talk with him about not only the Golden State Warriors, but about Steph as well and his resurgence over his last couple of games. Hey, it is a new year, which means we continue to bring you content here on Pure Hoops Media. If you want to check out the rest of our shows, why don't you? Mike Wise drops a new show each and every Monday. He often has high-profile guests after high-profile guests. We do have a new show. It's The Front Office with Dave Wall. This week, they dropped the second round of their conversation with Jerry West. If you didn't catch the first one, go back and listen to it before you catch up on number two. It was really good. On Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay, they had on Morgan Uber, who is the digital correspondent for the Big 12 Conference. Otto, can you guess which team they were talking about as we enter the basketball season for the Big 12 Conference? Oh, something tells me we're looking at Kansas. Absolutely. They're the only team in that conference that matters, Otto, but they did get whooped over the weekend over the Texas Longhorns. So I feel like they spoke about that a little bit. Bucket Sports and Blocks drops each Thursday with Monica McNutt and Keith McClure. And as always, we close out the week with the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Just a reminder, guys, if you love the content to you each and every all that we ask. You hit the star, you write us a review, and you share it on your social platforms with all of your friends. It goes a long way for us and this platform. Uh, there's something else we ask, and that is that each, of, each and every one of you stays safe. Uh, something called uh, super coronavirus, or uh, obviously it's not called that, but there is a variant of this disease that is even stronger and more contagious than the first go-round. So please, please, please continue to wash your hands, social distance, wear face coverings or masks. They do make a difference. We want to see everybody stay healthy and happy in the new year. Take care, everybody. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.